So I think every time we do the little banter in the beginning, it's kind of tied into what we're doing. But what if M. Night Shyamalan was writing this and we did just start the hook by talking about one shots just then? Oh, oh my What a twist. Gosh. What a twist. All right. A twist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. All right. No, senpai. I love this song. It's a great one. Yeah. We're just... I feel like we're jam out real we're quick. Just jamming yeah. while we're talking about. I feel like I'm in an elevator. What are we talking about today? See, I kind of get more like a early '90s, late '80s sitcom. Yeah, almost. Like, what? Well, bow, wait a minute. Bow, bow. My bad. It sounded jazzy at first in my head. Yeah, this is like straight up not. '70s. Kind I was of going for an Ocean's fun. Eleven vibe. You know what else is funky? That's cool. I like that. What's one. that? Yeah. One shots. Well, oh, oh yeah, one shots. Yeah, one shots. Uh, what is that? What we're talking you about? You guys today? have any opinions on that? Oh, we got opinions. Oh, we should what probably we should probably hit record and talk about one shots. All right, then. well, let's get this thing going then, Joey. Let's do it. Welcome to Legend Lore, uh, brought to you by Strange New Worlds Productions, and uh, today we're going to be talking about one-shots. I like one-shots. One-shots are fun. One-shots are great. Not everybody does, though. No. Well, For they're me. wrong. For me, they always turn into <laughs> uh, not-so-one-shots. Yeah, Mike. It's not my fault. Either the one-shot is not a one-shot when Mike DMs, or the one-shot is just John trying to murder his friends. That's true. I can't say anything in response. <laughs> How would you guys like to fight an Avaloth mixed with an Astral Dreadnought today, boys? Or John will make some crazy creature where it's like it's like half dragon, half Abolith, and half alien. I guess Abolith are aliens, but, but my monsters go to weird parties and weird things come out of that party. So, <laughs> uh, so okay, so not everybody listening may know what a one shot is. So Matt, what would you? How would you define a one shot? A one shot is a three to four hour adventure. That a dungeon master and four or, you know, three to four, we'll, we'll talk about how many players can play, you know, what we think is the best number. But usually, you know, it, it's four. Uh, but that's what they do. And they run an adventure for three to four hours. And once that four hour mark hits or whenever they finish, that's it. This public service announcement has been brought to you by Strange New Worlds. <laughs> the more you know. Okay, so it's an adventure where you're going to sit down and the idea is that you're going to sit down as the DM, run your players through this one single story, and it, you know, maybe it's like, it's intended to just be a, a sit down for one time, but to, to Keenan's point, sometimes a one shot can become more than a one shot, and, and maybe we'll get to touch on that today, like when does a one shot stop being a one shot, but, um, you know, what what y'all's experiences with one shots, like what is your... What have been the one shots you've run that you like, or what's your thoughts on it in general? Like, why why should, why would people want to play a one shot? Uh, I think one shots are really great if you're kind of like our group, where we don't really play campaigns that last three, four, five, six, even like like the shortest campaign that we've had has been a year, right? I believe so. And if you're only playing one game at a time, one shots are great to stretch your character creating muscles and play something different. I've been playing this half-orc barbarian for a year and now I get to play a wizard. And it's just a completely different change of pace for the player. You're able to uh, take risks. Yeah, you get to change it up. 
one shots are also really great for players that want to dip their toes into DMing. Oh, that's a good point. That is fantastic. Actually, yeah. That's actually a super great point, and that's kind of how basically we got into five E after we kind of met each other, and we were we 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 uh, played around a little bit in uh, John's homebrew, and we all kind of had read the five E stuff, and we were very excited about it. And that's what I basically said. Well, hey, I want to learn how to DM five E, so let's do a one shot. You know, we'll all get a chance to actually play in the system. I'll get a chance to figure out how it works, and uh, well. What was the name of that one shot, Mike? Uh, that might have been a quest for boost. But wait, that that module is the one that you wrote and, and put up on our website. This is true. So you're saying the listeners can play the one shot you're talking about? Well, John, you know what? They can. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is but, but that one shot module is actually designed as a one shot module. Right. Uh, Ours as, turned into a two year long campaign. It did. Well, and to give you guys a little background on that, um, you know, Mike is an absolutely incredible dungeon master and storyteller, and he wrote Quest for Boost as a fun, uh, you know, adult drinking game style one shot with 5e. It was, to, to his point, his attempt to, to kind of learn the rules of 5e as a dungeon master. Uh, but we had so much damn fun. We were like, can we play next week, too, with these characters? And Mike's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then... A couple of years later, we're wrapping up an amazing campaign we still talk about to this day. Yeah, a couple of years later, you are epic level and uh, the champions of boost for all time. Awesome stuff, man. Um, I think that person who's probably, the, you know, a lot of people listening to us, right? Like, they're probably going, okay, great, but I don't get to play that often. It's hard for me to wrangle my players up and have an adventure. And I like what Cody said, like, one shots are really good for when you just want to get people at the table for this one adventure and knock it out. Um, have you guys had some one shot experiences like that where it didn't turn into a campaign, but it was still a great night? Oh, most definitely. I mean, we had the session, a couple of sessions with John DMing for our group. Uh, and that, that was number one. My favorite was when we got to kill Drist. And that was the <laughs> whole uh, session was make evil characters. And they're going to be this level, which we were pretty, we were like level 15. And that was really cool. Cause I hadn't played at that high of a level at that point. And coming in and you basically like, here, your goal, this whole thing is we're going to kill Drist. And at the end of this, you're going to fight him. And we did. And we came. We saw. And we conquered Drist. And Drist died. Uh, but, you know, we were the bad guys. So, you know, that was it, was it was a victory for the bad guys. And that was a great night because it got us all to play different characters we haven't played. You know, Cody played a maniacal bard. Uh, Joker-esque bard, if you would say. Which most of my characters, I play like the lawful good kind of guy. Even if I am like a chaotic good character, I'm always like the good boy of the group. And now I got to play this maniacal bard who doing like evil cackling laughter everywhere and doing like fucked up spells. And I had like, uh, I had my barbarian buddy who I was basically like manipulating him from the start, uh, doing all my bidding for me. So, yeah. And, and, and that, as Matt was kind of touching on, it's a good chance to play, uh, different levels to see kind of what that looks like. Um, you know, typically we always start either we start first, third or fifth, right. Depending on what we want to do. And so having that chance to start with a 15th level character to just see how powerful your characters can actually become through if they live <laughs> long enough uh, was, was, was phenomenal for me. Uh, I've had some fun one shots in the past too, that I played with uh, other DMS. Uh, and one thing I will say about one shots nowadays is I honestly think five E really lends itself very well to one shot ideas. You know, in the older systems, 
it was easy to die a lot of times, right? 5e is definitely a little more player friendly. And your your character is a little bit more powerful. You can do a little bit more things. And, and I think that 5e is the perfect system for doing the one-shots. To your point about 5e being really good for one-shots, I can build a 5e character in like less than 20 minutes. So if for whatever reason we need to uh, play a one-shot on any given day, I can just open up my cell phone, bring up D&D Beyond, and I've got a character, even if I don't have a pre-made character, which I have 50 pre-made characters, <laughs> I can just make a pre-made character in 15 minutes or so. Right. And now I'm ready for a one shot. So actually that kind of kind of uh, leads me to something I was that I want to bring up. But actually first, because I just realized this is our first episode after the introduction is episode. <laughs> hey, I'm Dungeon Master Mike. To my left is... Uh, Dungeon Master Pobatine. Or if you want to call me Matt, you can call me Matt. To my left... This is Cody. And straight across the table from me... Overlord Osborne, oh also God. known oh. as just Dungeon Master Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> you upgraded. Dungeon uh, Master Pretentious. <laughs> hey guys, this is DM Rockfist, otherwise known as John. All right, so 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 getting getting to to what you were saying about like opening up D and D Beyond and just cranking out a character really quick. So we have done both these things where we have either created specific characters with with specific backstories. And, uh, and 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 uh, abilities. You know, we we started off like, oh, we're going to play fifth level one shot. So we all made fifth level one shot characters and came up with our ideas. And then we've also done the pre gen stuff, um, specifically when we did uh, John's uh, uh, Call of the Cthulhu kind of thing. There uh, was also your like eighties action. Star oh yeah, one. yeah, that's right. I, I forgot we did the eighties action uh, hero thing, and uh, we did pre we did pre gens for those too. So pre gens versus making Make, a character making for a one shot. You know, I'd say that they both have their place depending on what it is. If you're introducing, like, one-shots, what we haven't really touched on yet is one-shots is a great way to get new players involved also to dip their toes. Pre-gen's perfect for those kind of guys. Or if you really want to, if you're a DM and you have an established set of players like we do, we do tend to fall into habits, personality types, or character classes we enjoy. Pre-gen's a good way to get people out of that. It's a good way to tell a story through them that's going to be self-contained in one unit. But I do like the idea of creating your own because it does allow creativity, the whole point of it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, and, and, of course, we love to make characters. And everybody at this table is fantastic about coming up with backstories, even for a one-shot. We come <laughs> up with some incredible backstories for a character we're going to play one time. So we're good at that. But one of the things I love about the pre-generated character process is also to get people out of their wheelhouse to get them to play against type. You know, obviously we're all pretty good at that, but sometimes some people kind of get stuck in a rut about what they like to play. Like mm -hmm. their characters almost become entertain, entertain changeable basically. Right. So I, that's one reason I do like pre-gen characters. You give them just like a paragraph of personality and you let those players determine what that's going to be once they start role-playing within the game itself. Um, but it can really shake some stuff up. I think, you know, we were talking about the Cthulhu one shot I ran and I did do pre-generated characters. Uh, you know, the way I did it is I put a, a picture of what I thought the character looked like up on the PowerPoint behind me and then had the, the character sheet. Right. And I think we had, if I remember it was like five players, but I had like, I think I had six or seven. No, I, I must, I think I pre-generated exactly five characters. Right. And, and I, and I would not do it that way again. And I'll tell you why in a second. So um, we had a gentleman playing with us, a good friend of ours named David, who got to play um, sort of this monk character, and he 
just had an absolute blast with it. He totally inhabited the character, embraced the description, like Mike said. Um, but Keenan, actually, I felt bad because you got to pick last, and the only one left was like this nun character. And I don't think you, I, I think you had fun playing that night, but I don't think that was really your jam. It was not, by the I, way. I enjoyed it. I wanted it. to play that nun so bad. It, yes. So it was cool because what we did that you had mentioned is that we shuffled them and we actually handed right, them out. Right, yeah, that's right. So the one thing is that in the beginning, I was like, I don't want to play her because I was already playing a cleric who was very similar to what her character was. I was like, I just, I'd want to do something that's not a cleric. I'm already playing a cleric every single week. And yeah, I did. I get the short end of the saying. I got the one that I already played. I did, however, enjoy it because the people around the table right. and a story that was set up for it, which allowed it, that to be not that big of a deal. But I would agree that some some ability of control more than just random can help because you might just end up with the same thing. So I think there's a really powerful lesson in that. At least I took a powerful lesson out of that because when I ran um, Aliens versus Adventurers, uh, we had four players for that, and I created, I think, eight pre-generated characters mm -hmm. so there was just a lot more choice for the players to choose who they were going to be and then we plugged those four characters into the story so I, I can't remember because i definitely know when we did the 80s action and adventure that i ran i know i think okay did i just okay i remembered i had at least eight characters or yeah. so okay and, and then you guys chose that's right okay you no know, it was so with yours it was eight characters with four players but it was random that way you still randomly. Oh, I random. I yeah, couldn't yeah. remember. I couldn't. Which remember. I got. I got Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I was still pretty happy that true, night. True. You literally got the one character you said you would only play, so you got you got the, uh, <laughs> the little special treatment there. But that's and okay. I rolled nat twenties all night. <laughs> but again, and this is something we that John and uh, was talking about is one. When is a one shot? Not a one shot. So with the eighties action adventure thing. <laughs> The role playing was so heavy with these guys that they spent forty five minutes in a bar talking to a minor character trying to get some information, I think. I can't remember exactly what you happened. You let us play as our childhood heroes. Yeah, I did. I don't know what you expected. Yeah, true, true. And we actually never ended up even finishing that one shot. One of the very few times that we actually never completed a one shot and never went back to it, which is very weird for us because we're usually pretty good about that but How stuff. often do we bring that one shot up and go, oh, we really need to go back and finish that? We, we do. And, and honestly... By that time we got done with that, it was kind of like the first quest for booze. Like I literally yeah. felt, oh my god, that I could this could literally become a campaign. <laughs> so that that brings up a really good question. I think we should tackle. Um, so as a dungeon master who's running a one shot, and your goal and your your intention is to get your players through this adventure in one sitting, how do you do that when the players start having fun and they start role playing, like maybe? interacting with a minor character like what do you do as a dungeon master to ensure that you still get everybody through the one shot that night i mean honestly i think it's a sense of urgency uh, that's well, at least one option you could have as a dungeon master is a sense of urgency for the players maybe you know we have our one shot quest for boost and they're searching for the chalice of boost and they've got to bring it back but there's another party who's also searching for it so they have to find this chalice before somebody else does which you know the NPC party's looking for it as well so it's kind of a little bit of sense of urgency to find all the clues so that way you can then find that chalice of boots. Another idea is having a like a timeline, uh, like an end time. The characters know that at midnight in game, uh, the zombies are going to be sprouting out of the ground or in invading the the village from the forest or something like that. So the players know that they don't have all day to sit in a tavern and start interrogating people. They got to go find whatever is going to help move the zombies out or barricade the village up or something like that. Putting a timeline that 
you are on the clock right now. You have to hurry because danger's coming. I think that you're both saying the same thing. It's it's creating a sense of peril and a timeline, mm-hmm. right? There's something's going to happen in this session that you need to react to or do something about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we did the aliens versus adventures, um, it started out with your characters waking up with the face huggers on your face and then falling off, and then you realize that we've got these things growing in us. We got to find a, a cleric or somebody oh, that can yeah. get this out of us before they burst, right? Um, but what about that? And that's, I love that, that you build a mechanic into the one shot that forces the story. And, and we could obviously make a whole series of episodes about, uh, you know, railroading your characters versus mm-hmm. just, you know, creating a free, a, you know, action sort of society there. But my, but if I'm running a one shot and I don't want to put something like that in there, should I, as a dungeon master, just say, yeah, the NPC doesn't have anything else for you, or uh, you're done at the tavern. Like, what, what would you do, Mike? So, actually, I was, uh, I was I was just thinking about that as Cody was talking about the sense of, sense of urgency and the fact that yeah, you had that baked in for your uh, um, the alien the xenomorph thing. Um, when we did the Call of Cthulhu, we didn't have that any kind of sense of urgency baked in, and eventually you had to kind of just say, "Hey, guys, there's nothing else here," and honestly. Because this is a one shot. I know how we are. We're storytellers, so we want everything to always flow as a story. We don't want to railroad our 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 our, our parties at all. In a one shot situation, I think there's already a little built in railroading, anyways, because you are literally moving from point A to point B to point C or whatever. There's not usually a lot of different tangents, so the characters might get off script a bit, sure, but the story is so linear compared to a regular campaign. It's not as much. It's still collective storytelling, but there's a little linear element to it, right? Right. So, and I think that's okay. And I think it's all right in that setting, in that session, in that kind of storytelling for you to say, yeah, hey, this NPC literally has nothing to give you. Or basically, you do it in the NPC's face. Look, man, look, man, you keep asking me all these questions. I got nothing to give you. Oh, yeah. I like that. That dude in character. I love what you were saying about that. Um, The one thing I will add is that nurture those moments as the DM. Nurture those moments when they do go off tangent and they're going to create an inside joke or a memory that's going to really last with them. Yeah. Do let that happen. But, again, at the end of the day, you have a three- to four-hour block to get this done. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, it is a limited thing for sure and absolutely. And uh, that does let's segue a little into what our next podcast is going to be a little bit about collective storytelling. But that's, that's uh, Cody. Another, another thought just popped into my head is, uh, you know how there's kind of a joke that whenever a DM wants to have a puzzle put into a dungeon, they open up, like, a children's book of puzzles, <laughs> right? So you, you got to find, like, these ungodly easy puzzles and your players will still spend 30 minutes trying to figure out the answer to this puzzle or this riddle. And I think guiding your players through a one shot is kind of the similar thing. You got to put like breadcrumbs that obviously lay out the path for them. They'll still miss it and they'll eventually figure it out. It'll take them 30 minutes to do it, but eventually they'll get, they'll find the breadcrumb trail again and get back on path or, you know, just put like big flashing signs like evil guy is over this way, they'll still miss that sign, but they'll eventually find it. NPC reminders or climate clues, depending on like what's happening around them. NPCs might mention or say to them what's going on. Mm-hmm. If say the big bad guy is doing something to the the land, maybe they can start noticing it around them if they're in a tangent talking to squirrels. Let's say uh, they, they have to talk to the mayor, but they're in the tavern. They're having a blast inside the tavern. The mayor's over in the mayor's office. 
well, why doesn't the mayor just casually walk into the tavern? Oh, good point. Send a guard. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, yeah, a guard is like, hey, the mayor wants to see you. Or the mayor's like, this is my, it's, it's three o'clock, time for my three o'clock ale. And there's now the, the plot hook is moving forward because they have to talk to the mayor. The mayor's right there. Yeah, I think that's a, actually a really good point. I think it, it does fall on the DM to kind of keep the time constraints of this one-shot adventure in his head and come up with ways that you've already thought of where you will be able to easily nudge the players. And so they're not feeling railroaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you make it thematic. Yeah, make it very thematic, yeah. Well, and we have this cool little thing we do around our table sometime where we'll just, like, as either a DM or a player, we'll just say, hey, above table for a second. And then we'll say something that's that does break the fourth wall, right? Like, we'll say, hey, above table, um, we only have two more hours tonight to play, and I want you guys to see how where this goes. Like, And I know that's kind of a nuclear option that most DMs hearing this might go, oh, I don't want to do that. But you never know. Sometimes players really get entertained by that random goblin that you put in the in the tavern, and they want to talk to him for 45 minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, is it, is and, and who are you? I mean, th- at the end of the day, right, isn't the most important thing that we have fun at the table. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to stop the fun, but you know that they're going to have even more fun if they do keep moving forward with the story. So that's mm-hmm. a that, that can be a tough needle to thread. Yeah, absolutely. And isn't there a meme about that, too? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy Paladin gets ignored, and then the random goblin you threw in the corner, they just... Latch on to, yeah, now he's a party member. Yeah, now he's a party member. I, 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 I post. <laughs> I Mike's referring to a meme that um, that we made um, and uh, put on Reddit, and this guy had a great comment. I wish I had him his name in front of him so I give him a shout out. But the meme is literally like that you have uh, veteran players and, and and new players, they all like to befriend the random NPC that you just happened to mention in the tavern, right? And I, I said, you know, we'll call him Boblin the Goblin, right? <laughs> and uh, this guy posted a response and he and it just said Barbarian colon. It said, uh, you know, or no, he said the Goblin colon and the Goblin goes, my name is, is, is you know, Billy or whatever his name was. And then the Barbarian goes, me say you boblin now, you boblin. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. So as a player, what can you do to make sure a one shot is a fun time that we get through the whole thing? So I would say either with your pre-gen idea or what the DM is giving you, hopefully is background information on what's going to happen, at least while you're there. Make it personal for your character. Like when you're a player, you're supposed to embody your character. So have those outrageous fun moments with your party members and the NPCs. But remember that you're still a person and you you look at your watch and go, oh man, it's five o'clock. I got something to do. So think about everyone else's time and think about the storyline and that your character might be very aloof or your character might be the paladin who's super diligent. And he's like, we're here to do this. Tell the party who's having fun in the tavern, knock it off. We got to go. Like it, think of who you are as a, as a, your, as a character and you can take that to the party, right? And it's all thematic that way. Yeah, I definitely think that's embracing this opportunity to play a character that might be far different than anything you are playing in a regular campaign is incredibly important. I think it's a, it, I think it's just a moment for you to really just have fun. I mean, really approach it like you would approach a regular character, right? Like give him a backstory. Really think about his motivations. Even though you know it's only for like two, three hours you're going to play this one dude, he may die. Or you may never play him again, but I think if you if you come to the table with that mindset that hey I'm gonna, I'm going to give this one shot character just as much thought as I give a regular character, I think you're gonna have fun. I think everybody's gonna have fun. Absolutely, and I mean that gives you a chance to use this character later or the same concept and character later if you're really embodying it, 
embodying him that way. Oh, I honestly think that the best moments are the collective storytelling moments you have between players. And when the DM just sits back and now we have the players just basically role-playing with each other, role-playing that paladin that says, hey, we got to go. And the rogue's like, but I really want to take that coin purse over there that that guy's, you know, <laughs> look at all those shinies. And it's just a great way for you two to have a collective collaborative story and keep building that. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, being together and moving the story forward, players can take that agency as well. If they see, hey, we're getting a little bit over time here. We're, we're staying in this bar a little too long. So what you guys are saying, it sounds like to me that in contrast to our campaign games where a lot of our characters, we butt heads a lot. Well, not a lot, a lot, but we a decent amount. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, do you think that a one-shot character, a one-shot party needs to be a little bit more cooperative with each other? I think you're bringing up a really good question. And I think, again, maybe as a DM, when I sit everybody down, maybe it would be valuable to say like, and I think we've done this before where we say like, what, so you guys are all starting out level 15. What brought you together? What's the story behind why y'all are together? Oh, we, we became heroes when we were all young and we've now traveled the land and saved everybody. And we're dragon slayers and we've gone to the different planes. And now here we are for this adventure, right? Well, then it wouldn't make sense for the, your guys to be at each other's throats because you've been companions for years doing these great deeds together. So you should role play your characters like that, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because we, we kind of do that. I know like John and you and I both kind of embrace when people are creating their backstories for campaigns. We embrace them coming up with relationships with other characters. You know, like, you know, and that's how you, a lot of times you, people will get end up being paired together as the begin, game begins. So in this one-shot setting, it makes a lot of sense that if these guys are a party and, and even if they're fifth level in their party, they've been through a lot together more than likely. I mean, you know, maybe there might be one dude from outside. Maybe he's come up with this backstory that doesn't fit with their party. But coming up with that entire um, a group story behind that, it, 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 it drives things. And it actually takes a lot of friction out of, out of normal playing. As far as one-shots go, player unity and player cohesion, extremely important to keep it moving along. I love player conflict in campaigns because it's we so know. much more going on. We've never noticed that. means you that. have really that. real fleshed out characters with real motivations and ideology. You play a cleric and you fight people on ideology and shit all the time. Well, that's what clerics, a cleric would do. I would agree with Keenan on that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree with Keenan on that. It's, it's, it's just when uh, when the god has to say, hey, uh, no, that's not how I, that's not how my religion that's, works. That's what I was trying to get I'm, at. I'm interpreting, I'm interpreting <laughs> the scriptures my way now. Oh boy! Pray I do not interpret them further. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, I think you were right, Cody. Um, when you're having a one shot, either coming up beforehand or during or whatever it is, player unity is important to keep it going, and that's something that y'all can agree on prior or during. You could in character in the beginning of the session you'd say all right guys we're gonna we're gonna get this done we haven't in the past but this time we're gonna make sure that we stay on track right whatever mm -hmm. it is yeah and i mean it is nice i mean we had when we played a game we had a one shot where we did uh oh man it's uh one of the famous from some wizard that we just that we got released a little while ago dragon heist we did a kind of yeah. one shot for john we did we had got a group of guys together and did a one shot played the first chapter and Another friend of ours named Bill kind of looked over at me and was just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we were like brothers? And I mean, Bill has said this multiple times to me and we've played a, an Ewok and a, uh, a 
I don't know what his race was in the Star Wars game he played, but we, you know, we've had these moments together. But if you have like connections in the real world and you know these people, you know, yeah. turn to each other and just say, hey, what if we like know each other? What if we're like we've been with each other the whole time? Yeah, I have no idea how many times I've actually, when I've actually got to play as a player, which now I get to play all the time, but in the past where I was a DM all the time and whenever I got to play, I usually latch on to somebody. Usually it was like Charlie and I, like always, we'd be like some sort nice. of duo. Best buddies. Yeah. And by the way, going back to pre-gen, if they are pre-gen as the DM, write in those ties. Oh, yeah, Say this absolutely. was your childhood best friend or your recent friends who are one each other, saved each other's life. Mm-hmm. Like, give them a reason to be together. Yeah, and, and, and just to go back to the pre-gen for just a minute, if you are going to create pre-gens for your players to play, you don't have to give them a two-page backstory. It literally just needs to be enough for them to just get the basic personality of this character and let them flesh it all out. That's what David did. David, and when, when going back to the uh, Call of the Cthulhu thing, David flushed it out so well. Yeah. In seconds. In seconds. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a couple times where I've DM'd for some old coworkers of mine, and all I did for them was build a character mechanically. I taught them how it worked because it was their first time playing or a second time playing. So I taught them how the character works, like you know, Warlike has the two spell slots or like the wizard uses the spell slots, Barbarian, you know, like Rage, you get extra damage, things like that. And then from there, uh, my old coworker Mia, she told me everything about the character's backstory and her name and how it was all kinds of like crazy nonsense about this character. And she did that in like three or four minutes. I'm just sitting there just like wide eyed at her. She's like, this is so cool. I can't wait to play right, your character. Right. So do you think that if you're going to introduce some people to Dungeons and Dragons, a one shot is the best way to do that? A I one, think so. Yeah, a one shot is the perfect way to do it most definitely no or commitment. or like three if you have like a two or three session yeah, yeah, game, maybe like two three know, episode yeah. uh have a game where like it feels kind of wrapped up on one session or you could wrap it up on one session if you don't think that they're really super into it but if you do think that they are really into it then you can leave it open and be like same time next week guys yeah because i'll say that, that the, the great thing about that is, is that you get a chance to like you're introducing them to D- dungeons and dragons and i will say nine times out of ten Anybody who is interested enough to play that one shot is going to fall in love with the game and they're going to want to continue with the exception of my, my wife. <laughs> who, we did, who we did create a one shot for. Yep. Like we literally ran a one shot for, but her friend, honey, got to play and then her son, Hudson, jumped in too. And my understanding is they now play. Right? Yeah, they play regularly. They, they play D&D regularly right now. So that one shot literally brought them into the D and D lifestyle. Yeah. And, and, and we, and we literally found something new about honey for ourselves. We, we, we discovered she's a natural. She killed it. She killed it. She loved it. She got, she got it completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so play D and D right now. I do too. I do too. Bit. Let's shall All we just right. stop this podcast well, no, and start rolling some dice. We'll just start. I got a one shot ready. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you're, so if one shots are the right vehicle to introduce people to D and D or to practice being a dungeon master for the same time, should you try to make your own or should you go with a pre-generated one-shot module? So I have strong opinions about both. As far as it goes to homebrew, I always want people to do homebrew. The more creativity in this community, the more we all get inspired and the more great memories we form. However, that takes a lot of work to make it consistent, well-balanced, flow right, and be a true one-shot. If you were a new DM... And, and an old DM, but pre-gen or pre-made modules are fantastic because it gives you so many hooks. It's all mapped out for you. 
if you are that veteran DM, you can take all of that and it's the story idea and you will be inspired and you can change that to whatever you want. Yeah. Which they is have a place for both, which is something that, uh, John's really good about with not, not um, with one shots, obviously, but, uh, just with like pre-made campaigns, making it his own, his own beast, basically official wizards of the coast material. Yeah, He's great about changing it to his own story, but with their characters or their elements. Yeah. And just fleshing everything out. I think agreeing with what, what you just said, Keenan was, I think for, for, for new DMS, that one shot process is a really good way for them to learn. And especially if they're starting off with new player characters, it's a really good way for them to learn. Now, as I said, I'm before in our intro podcast, I'm kind of the homebrew guy here. I don't run a ton of pre-made stuff. You know, maybe every once in a while I might grab something from something pre-made that I really like and I'll introduce it into my homebrew, whatever my campaign setting, if it's a one shot, whatever it is uh, from a business perspective, you know, we do have some one shots available. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and I wasn't trying to turn it into a yeah. shameless plug because I think I think, but it is, it is true, right? I think to Keenan's point, if you are a player who really understands the mechanics and what a dungeon master really needs to do, then you probably should take a crack at just making your own, right? But if you're a new DM, maybe you have some understanding, maybe you've been watching Critical Role, or you've just been reading through the books, or you've been a player in a couple campaigns, um, but but you're not a hundred percent confident that you can guide the players through that, that adventure, right? That's where a pre-generated, I think would be a really valuable tool because it keeps you on track and to Keenan's point, keeps it balanced. And that's one of the things that when we write one shots for strange new worlds, we try to make it balanced and we try to give you in the actual one shot, everything you need as a DM to keep the party moving along and I think that that's a really valuable thing. Like if, if you, and to Mike's point, it just takes a lot of the work out of it. And that's, that's what we're trying to accomplish with that. Exactly. So with the work aspect, just clicked in my head, you might be a veteran DM who can totally make it, but do you have the time? Do you have the time to make all of this stuff happen? Well, not only that, Keenan, like sometimes, I mean, I think we've all been there. Well, I don't know, maybe not, not all of us. There's probably been some times we've been there. We have a lot of ideas, and we, 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 we always talk about we are not short on ideas. But every once in a while, I've had in the past when I'm, when I'm dungeon mastering where a campaign gets to a certain point, and I'm not really sure, you know, what the next step is in the, in, in the actually story. And pulling in a one-shot at that point that fits into your world or you can fit into your world as good to, if you're if you if you need a little break you need to recharge the creative batteries having this one shots available is a great way to do it and still keeping the session going keeping the the, the continuity going with the players knowing that hey we're going to play on Tuesday and eat, and you're like you get to Tuesday and you're like oh man uh, I am really not prepared for this but you know what I read this one one shot that was really good and I could easily fit this into my world so so that's that's that's, a, that's another good point for that Absolutely. One of the questions we um, got asked on Reddit a while back was, what is uh, the ideal party size for a one-shot? And I think Matt kind of alluded to that, so why don't, why don't you take it, Matt? What's what's the right size group for a one-shot? I mean, for a one-shot, I mean, I've said this multiple times, I believe three to four players and one DM is kind of the ideal group. I think having, you know, that group of people, you know, is just it allows everybody to have their moment. You know, if you start getting maybe five, six, seven players, you know, you're going to have – it's going to be a great time, but everybody might not feel like they've had their moment throughout the one shot where they had their time to shine. Um, so, you know, definitely three players, four players is, you know, good as well. Um, if you want more than that, obviously go for it. Uh, do what you want to do. Uh, but that's what I feel. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with you because I think that in a campaign setting, if you've got six, seven players sitting around the table, which we frequently do, there's always going to be a moment in that story for every character to shine, whether that's role-playing, whether that's through combat, whatever it is, there's always that moment. But if you're you're talking about a two to three hour, maybe two to four hour one shot, and you got seven players sitting around the table, somebody's going to get left out. And you don't want that. I mean, we're all here to have fun, and we want everybody to have a good time. Not only left out, you're just not going to get through the content. Because yeah. the amount of interaction, unless, unless three of your four are dead silent, you're not going to get through the content that way. So doing that three to four is great. I'd actually just say three. So, sorry, don't get upset. No one yell. I cheated on you guys recently. Oh, what? And it was one what? D- what? Wait, what? It was one DM, this? three players. Oh, that was me. And we had so much fun, so much role-playing. We got through what would be probably two people's one-shot sessions in one, and we had, everyone had moments, everyone talked. It was very personal. We had multiple combat encounters. It was fantastic, and I will say that three is optimal, firm. I will say that. Now, two, disagree two with players, me. one DM? Oh, no, or three, three players. players. Excuse yeah. me. I remember when, when we played the first game of Quester Boost. It was three. It was three players, one DM, and it was amazing. Like I'm, I'm kind of quiet when it comes to D and D because there's six or seven people who are all trying to talk at the same time, and I just don't talk very much. But when there's three people at the table, I somehow magically find plenty of room to talk, and I get to role play a fuck ton, and I love it. Well, I, th- I think that I mean, what that just boils down to is because it, it does become a little more intimate at that point, right? That's a good word. Like Absolutely. it becomes much, much more intimate. I, and, 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 and we all here at the table are, are very much about the immersive experience. So usually we, we got our slides that we're doing, we're doing our PowerPoint slides. We've got our music plan and we might have ambient music, might have combat music. I've definitely noticed sometimes like in these one shot settings, I make a lot less slides and then I end up forgetting about that fact that I got, oh, I got this ambient song I wanted to play, or oh, I got, you know, this combat mix or whatever, because we are more intimate and we're a little more connected because it is a little smaller setting. Mm-hmm. And a player like Cody, to give you a shout out, you were the most considerate player. And so when you are in a larger group, I find that, yeah, you are, you are typically more quiet because you want everyone else to get their turn to speak. So you don't want to be speaking out of turn. But when you have that small player count, you don't worry about that because mm-hmm. you know that if it's one third of one third and one third's everyone time, right? Mm-hmm. In hindsight, well, I'm just, I, I never really thought about it until just now, actually. But uh, I am quieter during our bigger game sessions. Every once in a while, I do get my moment where I can say a couple lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really enjoy those. I am kind of a bit more of a viewer during D&D recently. And that doesn't take away from my fun, though. Because it's almost like I am playing a video game. And I'm watching the cutscenes, right? <laughs> Absolutely, uh, yeah. And then the combat comes, or the the sneaky part of the mission comes, and I get to do all my cool actiony shit. So I do. I still I have a blast with our big groups. I just find myself role playing a lot more, exponentially more, when there's three players. Now you had a point. Oh yeah, and I feel like any new player that comes to D and D, if you have three characters and you have one DM. I feel like they're all going to have that moment because, you know, when I first came into D&D, little middle school me, uh, if you guys can imagine me with my long hair flipping it over uh, back in those good old days. <laughs> oh, bright orange, by the way. Oh, yes. But, well, it's not, a little, ev- it, not everyone here knows you're a ginger. I know. I am. I do have the I do have the red hair. 
it is it is Auburn. Thank you very much, sir. It's not right on. <laughs> Get it right. It's, it's beautiful. Right. Oh, thank you. Well, you know. Oh, I wait, wait, wait. Maybe that's why Bill always wants to pair up with you. Well, you know, Ginger's got to stick together. True. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do feel like if you have new characters coming in, uh, you know, as a new as a new character that I was, I was kind of a little nervous. Like I didn't know. Right. I've never played D and D. It was fourth edition, by the way, which was very much more mechanically heavy. But you know. I didn't know what D and D was, and I was like, "Hey, okay, I roll my dice and I attack." And but then eventually, as I you know had that smaller group, I was able to you know make relationships with them. But during that session, I was able to actually say what my character would do and what I wanted them to do because I had that agency. And if I feel like if I have like five people there, you know that you know people who are more outspoken than I was at that time, more charismatic, would kind of speak over, and I would be like kind of like Cody in that moment, just be like, "I'm gonna step back a little bit and just let them do their thing." And when it's my turn and the DM says it's my turn to go, I'll go. But I really feel like that small group just allows you to, you know, step out of your box and be who you want to be in that character and also grow a little bit too. Yeah, I, I think that, that that comes down to usually when you are in the smaller groups, you do begin to immediately build a, a few more above table relationships. We don't really have that so much in our gaming groups because everybody knows everybody very well. So, but... To your point, I think it does allow you to understand how not only how your character is going to act in this situation, but also kind of what the social dynamic is, because you're going to know who's the guy who's the most outspoken, who's the guy who's the quiet, who's the guy that's going to take the lead, who's 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 doing what. And I think that's one really good point. I never thought about that before because I can think when I first got play, started playing D anD D in the library, in the side room, like all us nerds and geeks do. During the eighties, shut up. No, no, wasn't wasn't Apollo there helping you out playing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Apollo was there. Yeah, yes, I'm Greek. Uh, anyways, when 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 I got started, I there was probably I think there was like eight people playing because like everybody that were kind of, was kind of geeky and nerdy in our school was so interested and nobody was running and nobody knew how to do it. And I gotta say that I really didn't learn much. I kind of learned the basic mechanics and there was a whole lot of rolling dice and stuff like that. And then I didn't really get the role playing aspect until later on when I was starting to run my own games and doing one-on-one situations. And then all of a sudden this, the role playing just kind of came natural, you know, you know, guy would walk into the bar, like the character would walk into the bar and say, Hey, I'm going to talk to this guy. And I'm like, okay, cool. What do you say to him? And then he'd like, Oh, say this, you know? And then I'm like, Oh, well I respond this way. And then all of a sudden I realized what the role playing aspect was. And that's a great thing for DMs yeah. as well. If you had that one shot, you know, experience like you're a brand new DM yeah. and you're coming into the one shot. You're like, well, you read everything, but you're not prepared for what the players are going to say. You will never, never, never play prepare for a player free agency. No, never. And it, it'll help you. It'll help you see, you know, hey, my character is going to go into that. You know, I, we're going to go to the bar and, you know, here's this character. And we brought this up. Here's this character, this character, this character. And, uh, you know, this guy's the, the noble paladin. And then everyone's like, oh, but who else is in the bar? And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. Boblin the Goblin. Yeah, Boblin, Boblin the, the goblin. goblin. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I want to talk to Boblin the Goblin. And then you have to role play that moment as improv. And you did, you weren't prepared for that. But now you'll be ready in the future because they're probably going to do it again. We're kind of getting at the wrap-up point here. Yes. Is there any uh, closing thoughts anybody wants to talk about for, for one-shots? Look, I would say this. Um, I love one-shots. I love writing one-shots. You guys can see some of my one-shots I've written on the website. Uh, the number one rule for a one shot is everybody have fun that night. Um, everybody just, Wing Chun that night. Yeah, I think sometimes you know 
you could put a lot of pressure on yourself as a DM and, and you probably should, cause it's important to get that right and have, a, and, and give your players a good time. But you know, a good, well-written one shot can do a lot of the heavy lifting on the prep for you. Um, and it can lead to creating more players, like people who want to come back next week and play, play another session or continue, uh, that one shot as a campaign, which to Mike's point, we'll talk about later. Uh, but I, to me, I love one shots. And if you've never played one, should they're a ton of fun yeah absolutely and i will i will say for me my, my kind of final thoughts on one shots is actually directed at the dms and that's read that one shot at least two three four times be kind of familiar with what you have in front of you because the fact is you've only got two to four hours that you're probably playing this one shot in and it's a lot easier if you've already very prepared you kind of know where everything is going you you, you see where the story starts what the, what the highlights are and where it finishes. So just be, be prepared with it. And on the flip side of that, as a character, you know, when you get handed that, you know, maybe you get it handed previously, but when you get handed that character, if there is a backstory or you make up your own backstory, read that backstory. Yeah. Step into the role of that character. You know, you might be, you know, obviously I am a IT specialist, but, you know, on Tuesdays, I dayline, day or like night, nightline, I don't know what that's called. Day, daylight. <laughs> daylight. Daylight. Moonlight. 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 There it is. I knew it was day or moon or something, but moonlight as a warlock. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not a warlock, warlock in my job. Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> Just like we all know that Keenan is a necromancer. <laughs> but just, you know, step into that role of, as the character. Become that paladin who's like the holy paladin of uh, Moradin. You know, just step into the character's role in the backstory. All right. Well, it looks like we're we're down to, to Keenan. Any last thoughts? Have fun. Stay frosty. This has been fun with SNWP. Keenan yeah. signing off. Absolutely. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and uh, visit our Patreon page as well and uh, help us uh, keep bringing you good content uh, visit, uh, visit our website, uh, snwproductions.com, and that's snwproductions.com. Uh, take a look at our one-shots and take a look at all the other uh, blog material we have for you. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. All right, guys. We appreciate it.